And join me now here on Kicking with Cure to help preview the big matchup in Baltimore between the Steelers and the Ravens and to help look ahead to week eight in the NFL with a little word association. Uh, you can find his work over at Be- Behind the Steel Curtain. They do a great podcast over there. Uh, Dave Schofield is here. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you. So before we look ahead to this week, let's look back to last week with the Steelers who played a Honestly, a fantastic first half. They control the ball for nine minutes to start the game. Offense is flowing. Defense is stopping the Titans. Second half, got a little dicey. Titans came back. Steven Guskowski missed a field goal. It could have tied the game late. So from the Steelers' perspective, are you more encouraged by the first half of that game or discouraged by the second half of that game? That is a great question because really it depends on what type of Steelers fan you are. If you're the glass half full type of fan, then you're just really excited about that first half where they showed that they were in a different class to the Titans. If you're one of those fans that's just constantly down on the team, even when they're winning, nothing's ever good enough, then of course you're going to be focusing on that second half. So I I guess what they were really doing there was trying to appease all of their fan base, maybe so that way everyone could be happy. But uh, that it, it just goes to show what the Steelers are capable of, but also how they need to continue rolling. And you really have to give credit to the Titans. They showed what what type of team they are by coming back some there in the second half, taking advantage of some turnovers and getting themselves back in the game. So looking ahead to this week against the Ravens, I know uh, your podcast has mentioned that all the pressure is on the Ravens. Uh, Can you take me through what the thinking is there? All right. Well, Actually something that, uh, that I brought up and, and some of our other podcasters kind of got on, on board with it is that when you go into a season, especially the AFC North, when you're, when you're talking about the top teams, the, you're going to be satisfied if, when it comes to Steelers and Ravens, if, if you get a split for the season. So, because you're, they're always going to be for both teams, one of the best teams you face all year. If you're going to face one of the best teams in the NFL and you can split with them, that's acceptable. You don't want to lose them both. You really want to win them both. But if you're talking about, you know, at the, at most winning a split, then you've got to win your home games. So the Steelers go on the road. If the Steelers go on the road here against Baltimore and they happen to win this game, that puts them two games up on the Ravens plus the tiebreaker for now. And all the pressure then comes on the Ravens to have to come into Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving night on a short week after battling the Tennessee Titans the week before. And then you have to win in Pittsburgh. So, if the Steelers happen to fall to the Ravens this week, it's not the worst case scenario because you know it's a long NFL season. You know things change in a moment. Steelers fans know this. All you have to do is say week two of 2019 when everything changed, when Ben Roethlisberger was injured. That you, you know everything changes. But kind of understanding that, if you look at it on paper right now, this is the most difficult game the Steelers have left on their schedule is going into Baltimore. So if they can, if they win this game, you're going to be looking for them to just keep rolling. So, which would then put the Ravens really behind the eight ball. So that's why there's actually more pressure on the Ravens this week. See, I'll take, I definitely see you're going with it. I'll take the reverse argument just to play devil's advocate here. I think if you're the Ravens, Mark Ingram didn't practice again on Friday. It doesn't sound like he's going to play. So the Ravens are already banged up. Their offense 
isn't exactly in full sync. I think they're trying to make Lamar Jackson a passer, which is really weird, but maybe they something clicks and they don't do that anymore. And I wonder if you're Pittsburgh, if you don't beat Baltimore when their offense is not exactly free-flowing as we saw last year, if that could come back to bite them later on. And, of course, I think there's pressure from the Steelers' standpoint if you want to win this game and you guarantee that a matchup between these two teams, let's say in January, which is likely possible, these are two of the three best teams or two of the four best teams in the AFC, that you get that in the giant catch-up battle rather than in Baltimore. Yeah, well, that makes that's a very good point. But at the same time, the Steelers are the team that's a game up right now. Of course, if the Ravens win this game, they would then have the tiebreaker and they would be in first place in the AFC North. So, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things that even, even if the Ravens win, they have the same record. All they have is the tiebreaker with the Steelers for now. But if the Steelers win, then the Ravens are, are, you know, they're two games back and they still have to play Tennessee. They have to travel to Pittsburgh. So it, it's just kind of looking at it really far ahead. It, you could sit, look at it either way, but bottom line is this is a big game for both teams. And if, if you're going to only lose a couple games on the season, this isn't one that you're like, this is the most devastating loss this team's ever had. So with the Steelers-Ravens rivalry, rivalry, we're used to smash-mouth football. But lately, the offenses, Pittsburgh's offense has been more explosive. Deontay Johnson finally plays last week. Thank you for the Deontay Johnson fantasy owners like myself that finally got a breakout game from him. But it's is this rivalry, David, more smash-mouth still with defense, or you think this game is more defined by the offenses? Uh, this is still defense because the Steelers are the number one defense in the NFL when it comes to yards. The Ravens are the number one defense in the NFL when it comes to point surrenders. When you look at their offenses, they're more middle of the road. These teams are still, it's funny because people think, oh, well, the offense is everything else. That's just because of the overall, not as much emphasis on defense league wide, but these are two of the best defenses in the league and the Steelers are, are one of the best. They're, they're actually second in the league when it comes to stopping the run only behind Tampa Bay. They've given up less yards, but Tampa's played one, one more game. So when you average it out, um, I would have them ranked as number two and they're going up against what would be the number one rushing offense in Baltimore. Once you take into account the number of games played. So it's really a big strength on strength matchup. And I, I think it's kind of undervalued that, that yes, there's high scoring games going on in the NFL, but as coach Tomlin said on Tuesday, if they can't score, you can't lose. So it really is going to come down to keeping the other team from scoring as much as they might've been used to otherwise. So, so before we get into word association outside of the Steeler game last week, what stood out the most to you in the NFL? Oh, wow. I have to actually think about the rest of the NFL. Um, Honestly, there was some, there was some very interesting, really close down to the wire games. That game between Cleveland and Cincinnati was kind of crazy, but to me, I still can't get that figured out as to if both those teams, if they play such good games because they're, they're both the real deal or they're just, you know, a couple of AFC North bottom dwellers battling it out because, you know, when Cleveland's had the big stage, like against Pittsburgh and Baltimore, they've completely laid an egg. So I still don't know what to feel about that. But I mean, you just, you just overall see that 
I think the the lack of a preseason, you're starting now to see in week eight what you would get at, towards the end of the first quarter of a regular NFL season. And a lot of people were thinking that it should maybe be a little bit more polished. But this isn't just from from a play on the field standpoint. This is from a preparation standpoint. Part of what really helps with having those preseason games is going through preparation to play a game. And, and that's what the all these teams were missing this past offseason. So it's kind of interesting that, that that's where we are, that we need to remember that these are teams that are literally only playing their seventh game. I mean, Pittsburgh was supposed to have five preseason games. I mean, they're, they're basically, in essence, still in the first quarter of what would have been their season based on the number of times they've stepped on the field. That's definitely a good point. And for me, I, since we're not going to get to talk about this team, I'm going to give the Cardinals a lot of credit. I've doubted oh, yeah. them as true contenders, but when you rally from 10 down in the fourth quarter to win in overtime, albeit thanks to a Seattle holding penalty and a couple of Russell Wilson stupid turnovers, which we're not used to seeing them make, that's still a lot of credit to be 10 down with five minutes to go to beat what arguably the still, I think, the best team in the NFC. I know people still talk mm-hmm. about Tampa Bay, but I have Seattle, I think, just a little bit above them. And you, you saw Kyler Murray have to throw the ball to win, and even though they lost Kenyon Drake for a foreseeable amount of time, they haven't really needed him. Uh, so for right now, I think Arizona definitely put themselves a little bit above in that NFC status in terms yes, of Yes, they did. So let's look ahead with a little Week 8 Word Association. For those not familiar with the game or new to the show, and, well, you shouldn't be new, but you're back anyway, uh, we play this game kind of like if you were at a doctor's office you watch a, any show on TV with a doctor or a psychiatrist's office where I'll throw out an NFL game, and David and I will give the first word or phrase that pops into our head about this game. There might be Halloween themes in here, who knows, <laughs> but that's the fun part. We don't know what either of us are going to say, so that's what makes this fun. So, David, are you ready? I guess so. This will be fun. <laughs> so why don't we start? I'll give you a nice uh, familiar one. I'll, I'll keep it to a team in the AFC North. Let's start in Cincinnati. Uh, the 5-1 and one Titans against the 1-5-1 and one Bengals. Joe Mixon likely out for this game again for Cincinnati. And, of course, you just saw the Titans last week, David. So give me a word or phrase for this game. Revenge. This is the Titans wanting to come back and show that they can, you know, we should own the AFC North and all these games that we have. We've got another AFC North opponent. We want to, we want to, they want to come out and make a statement. Yeah. I'm going to go with a sneaky high point total because I think the Bengals, Joe Burrow just loves to throw the ball around anyway. I think Zach Taylor's goal is to get Joe, Joe Burrow 45 pass attempts at least every game. I, it's not a fact that I just made that up, but it, it seems like when you watch them in Tennessee, their defense, isn't not really good. that good. So no. I think well, neither, is, get... neither is Cincinnati. So exactly. this, I think you're spot on here. You, you've got an over under of, was it 52? Uh, you're probably getting the over here because I think Tannehill and Burrow are going to throw it all around the field and you might get a, a sneaky close football game with these two teams. Yeah. Let's go to Cleveland. I, I, I think you're right there. That, that's, right. that's a big one. So let's go to Cleveland. We'll keep it. At, Keep it in the north. Uh, the five and two Browns, like you just mentioned, at home against the three and three Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to go with no Odell, no problem. I think we're going to really start to find out really what Baker Mayfield is. Uh, he had that course that bounce back second half against Cincinnati. We'll see if Rashad Higgins is actually a thing. Does Jarvis Landry actually bounce back? And for the Raiders, it's a chance to go on the road and, and 
put up another state win because the Raiders aren't a bad three and three, and it's tough to beat Tampa when your offensive line was in quarantine for most of the week. Uh, David, what are you thinking here? Uh, every time I hear the Cleveland Browns, I have to say this phrase that the um, the, co- the other co-editor from our website, uh, Jeff Hartman, always says. Anytime you say the word Cleveland, you have to say, Baker Mayfield sucks. <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> we were – the last thing I wanted to see when the Steelers faced the Browns was Case Keenum because I think he's a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. I still think he has a long way to go. The whole fan base was ready for him to be yanked out of that game, and then he turns around and is the big savior last week. So I'm I'm still not impressed with Baker Mayfield. Uh want to see him do something against a quality opponent. This could go a long way because I think – I don't know. I, I put Las Vegas as one of those middle-of-the-road teams in the AFC. They're a team that can, that, that can come out with the big win, or they're also that team that can come out and implode. So, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting to see it from Mayfield first. Let's go to Detroit, where the Lions at three and three off their last second win over the Falcons last week take on the four and two Colts at home. Colts coming off of a bye. I'm going to go with turnovers. Phil, what are Philip Rivers and Matthew Stafford most famous for? Turnovers. I think you're going to get a lot of them in this football game. We're going to find out if the Lions are a little bit for real, but it could be. It could just come down to David, which quarterback makes the fewest amount of mistakes. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm going to go with who's for real. Of these two teams, you know, Detroit's sitting at what, three and three and Indy's at maybe, I think four and two. This is going to kind of say, or, or which one of these teams is actually a contender within their conference? Let's go to Lambeau, the five and one Packers against the one and five Vikings. And there weren't many, David, I'll let you in on a little thing. Every week I have a flip the channel game of the week. And what that means is if the game pops up on your TV and you're not watching Red Zone and you just really don't want to watch this game unless you root for either team, you flip the channel. There, I will admit, there were not a lot of easy choices for flip the channel game of the week. Just because Aaron Rodgers in this game does not mean I want to watch it because the mm-hmm. Vikings are, are terrible. The Packers bounced back last week. This game, even though Dalvin Cook is back from Minnesota, this game could be over at half. So flip the channel game of the week goes to Vikings-Packers. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say this game, do or die. And it comes to Minnesota. If you're going to see if you can get on a roll to salvage this season, you got to start right here. Let's go to Kansas City. The Jets at 0 and 7 and underdogs by almost 20 points at the 6 and 1 Chiefs. Let's go Halloween here. Let's go ghosts at Arrowhead. Sam Darnold's known to seeing ghosts and he's just going to keep seeing Kansas City's offense just ghost them around the field. Maybe he sees visions of Le'Veon Bell rushing for like two touchdowns. I, I can't, I would like the Jets if they cover should get a win, but it's not going to happen. It's funny. I think I'll go with the Halloween theme as well. I'm going to go with trick or treat. And that is you could get tricked into pulling for the Jets with that enormous point spread. Um, but it's going to be a real treat if you go with Kansas City because I, I think they're still going to cover. Um, I just, I, I don't know what the Jets, I mean, they looked better defensively last week, but that, this is a whole different monster. They yeah, didn't they have like four yards in the second half last week. It's like the Bills, I'll get to the Bills later, but the Bills were trying to gift the Jets a win and the Jets couldn't even get the ball like two yards. Yeah. I mean, two, two straight weeks in the NFL, a team doesn't score a touchdown and gets the win. With 18 points. Was it the same score, too? 18 to 10, both games? I think Something it was 18-12. Yeah, uh, one was it. You're right. 
Mm-hmm. It was just that was just a weird game. I don't want to talk about that game. But we'll get that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that a little bit. Let's go to Miami. Tua Tagovailoa makes his debut for the Dolphins against a five and two Ram squad on a short week traveling to South traveling to South Beach. We know how tough that can be. Uh, David, what do you think here? Uh, I'm gonna call this a setup. I mean, they they kind of put Tua in this situation of we're going to go to you even though we're having a better season than some anticipated, and Fitzpatrick was playing great, and now he has to go in and have to deal with Aaron Donald coming at him. So it's basically he's I think he's a little bit set up to not get off to a great start that they could have. Yes, they wanted to do it on their bye week, but they they maybe could have done it with a little bit of a better situation. I'm going to go with intrigue for both teams. Intrigue for the Dolphins, of course, seeing what Tua can do. We haven't really seen a lot of him outside of those two passes and what the team sees on Zoom or in their practices. We're not sure because of the limited media access this year, so it's going to be interesting to see how this offense is different. And intrigue for the Rams because at 5-2, and two, I don't think a lot of people view them as that top-of-the-line NFC contender. So this is kind of like a mini-test for them going on the road, 1 o'clock Eastern start time, which 10 o'clock body clock, all the whole thing for West Coast teams. Mm-hmm. The Rams almost won at Buffalo in the same kind of situation earlier this year. If the Rams could steal a win against a tough Miami team, and yes, 3-3, three and three, Miami's still tough, I think that would make a lot of people open their eyes more on the Rams a little bit. Sounds good. Let's go to – all right, let's go to your game. Uh, the 6-0 and o Steelers, the 5-1 and one Ravens. I'm going to have you, David, give a word and give me a key to the game. All right, my my word is going to be crisp. I want to see a crisp game from both teams all around. Where I I don't want to see outside things affect the outcome of this game. I want to see who the better team really is. So that that's why I I don't want to see an injury coming in. I don't want to see poor officiating either way. I don't want to see fluky plays. Um, and the the key to the game is for both teams need to play to their strengths. You just just play your game and see who's going to go out of here with this game. Yeah, my word my word for this is uh defense still reigns like you said earlier. While this while the offenses have sort of improved for both teams. This team this game's about defense. Uh, the Ravens defense has been probably their MVP of the season with Lamar Jackson not exactly lighting the world on fire as you've seen in the last couple of years. So if Pittsburgh's defense can maybe force a couple of turnovers, maybe Lamar tries to get too greedy in a couple of plays. And the same for the Ravens' defense. Ben Roethlisberger's been really good. We've also seen Ben Roethlisberger do some weird things, like throw the ball back to James Conner for like a 10-yard loss. <laughs> Don't get and, me started on that play. I've gone off about that play several times. <laughs> and, and, chuck the, and chuck the ball in the end zone up three with two minutes yeah. left when all you really need to do is kick a field goal. I don't know what either offense is going to do. Both offenses can either be dominant or both teams and both coaches can make some weird play calls. So defense is still going to be good here. If if I can interject here, yeah, go ahead. You, you are exactly right because up until last week with where, where, where Ben had three interceptions, they had done such a good job of, ta- of taking care of the ball. We only had one interception before the Tennessee game. So you're kind of wondering where did that come from? And that, first one at the end of the half kind of gave a little bit of a change in mentality on both teams. So that's one key. But the other thing is, is Lamar Jackson's only thrown for over 200 yards twice this season. And it was the first two weeks of the season. He didn't even hit a hundred yards passing when they were getting beat 
by the Chiefs. So, you know, in a situation where he needs to throw the ball, he still didn't even get a hundred yards passing. So this is really going to be also a lot about which quarterback, which quarterback are you going to see for each team? Are you going to see them at their best or are you not? Because Lamar Jackson's only faced the Steelers one time in his career and he had three interceptions in that game. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Let's go to Buffalo where the Bills at five and two try to take on a Patriot squad that has looked like garbage the last two games that I could say that as a Patriot fan, they look like <laughs> trash. And Julian Edelman is likely not going to come back for a little while. Uh, David, what are you thinking here? Um, I'm thinking this is the, the word I'm going with is separation. The Buffalo has a chance to get a stranglehold on this division with a win against New England. And then, you know, especially seeing how things play out in Miami, that that they can really just grab the reins and say, we are now the, the team that's going to run away uh, with the AFC East. Yeah, with the, with the weather conditions being like 40, 50 mile an hour winds in this game, I'm going with zombies because I think the <laughs> I think the Patriot offense without Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry, it, it's slow. It really, they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. They have to go back to running the ball and slowing the game down. So they have to play in like a zombie-like fashion in a way just to keep this game close. And for the Bills, they kind of have to slow things down and get back to basics too because yeah. Josh Allen did not look great against the Jets. That offense struggled big time. I still have my hesitancy on the Bills. They might win this division by default because of how bad New England is. And Miami, I think, is a year or so away from being right up there. But if you want to be that bet, that big mouth AFC contender, you not only need to win this game, you need to blow out this game. Like, I, I don't think you can say, oh, if the Bills beat a Cam Newton struggling Patriot team by three, I can now say the Bills are for real. You're Buffalo. You need to kick their doors in and, and make New England have to go back into the uh, zombie apocalypse, if you will. <laughs> That's a great point. So let's go to the four o'clock window and let's go with a, a little bit of two and four AFC West squads, the Chargers and the Broncos. What do you think, David? Who that <laughs> a game that I wasn't really otherwise paying attention to is, is, is I'm going to say hope for the future. I think this really is a game that's going to be more about are, are these two quarterbacks? What are they going to show you? in this game that you can have hope for beyond the 2020 season, because I don't know that either one of these teams are ready to, to, to compete this year, but they, they could both have some bright futures ahead of them. Yeah. I'm going to go with miss with mystery here because I, the chargers, they played well against the Jaguars last week offensively with Justin Herbert, but their defense gave a lot of yards to James Robinson and Jacksonville scored, I think way too many points for the chargers and for Denver. Another week where Drew Locke is healthy, but they were awful against the Chiefs. But still, going to Denver, a little bit of a tough game. You never know what you're going to get. I have a tough feel of picking anybody in this game, and I don't really see any line on it either. So I, I think the mystery is that I don't really – you could probably flip a coin and pick who wins this game because I think both teams are that much even right now. Let's go to Chicago. Good matchup here, the four and two Saints at the five and two Bears. Uh, David, what do you think here? I'm I'm going to say, who are they? I I think both of these teams are really struggling with with what they're all about and and their identity because New Orleans doesn't seem to be that team that's going to stretch the ball down the field big time. You're you know they're not winning games in the way that you think they would win games, and and the same with Chicago. They they have that good 
good record, but at the same time, you're like, do you really trust their offense to do these different things that, um, you just, these two teams and going against each other, you can maybe see who are these teams for real this week. Yeah, I'm going to go on the same line, contender status. Uh, Michael Thomas was practicing for the Saints this week. No def- no definite thing on if he's going to play as we record this, but the Bears need to kind of show something a little bit more because they were really bad against the Rams, but they're back at home. Maybe they play a little bit better in that environment. We know Drew Brees tends to struggle when he has to go outside, which is really interesting that Drew Brees can't play well outside. But inside, yeah, it's going to be a big Alvin Kamara game. I think New Orleans has enough. But it would not surprise me. But I just think, David, if the Bears even win this game, they'll say, eh, 6-2, and two, they're still bad. I, yeah. I don't think a lot of people are going to give Chicago credit even if they win this football game. I think you're right. Let's go to Seattle. The 5-1 and one Seahawks, the 4-3 and three Niners. Niners, by the way, 3-0 and oh on the road. They're 1-3 and three at home. So maybe yeah. they like going to Seattle here. Uh, David, what do you think here? Uh, this one, oh, my goodness. I don't even know. I mean, this is... I'm, I'm going another kind of guess, somewhat Halloween theme. I'm going to say mystery because I can't figure out the San Francisco team. I mean, of course, you know, they had the difference, you know, things going on with the quarterback situation at, at times that you're not really exactly sure what to think of this team. And then Seattle, they just seem to be on a roll and then they just let Arizona right back in there and take that game away from them. So, um, I'm, the bigger mystery for, to me is with the 49ers. I mean, these are division games. Division games are huge. So th- this game, I have no idea who could win this game. I really don't. Yeah, I'm going to go with Garoppolo into a pumpkin. That's going to be <laughs> mine because I'm going to be honest. What what made me mad as a Patriot fan watching last week's game, more, not that the Niners ran over the Patriots, it's that Jimmy Garoppolo gets a win in a game where he doesn't throw a touchdown and throw two interceptions. Yeah. Like, that would be, like, if you told me New England lost because Garoppolo dominated the game, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I get it, revenge game, whatever. He's not played, he had the three-touchdown game against the Rams, and outside of that, hasn't really done anything. So, yeah. with Mostert banged up, you have Jeff Wilson banged up, the Niners have no running backs, now Seattle might not have any either. Yeah. Uh, Chris Carson's banged up, Carlos Hyde's banged up. It's going to come down to the quarterbacks because you got to cancel out the running backs. And to me, Jimmy Garoppolo can't exactly outplay Russell Wilson right now. Uh, so Jimmy G, hopefully maybe he's not a pumpkin. Maybe he turns into that big uh, stage coach and everybody likes riding in him on, uh, the, to the ball on Halloween. Not going to happen, though. Um, i I got to go Seattle big. Let's go to the Sunday night game in Philadelphia, where the Dallas Cowboys, who have Ben DiNucci at quarterback, no Andy Dalton, no Dak Prescott, oh boy, going up against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, who really got lucky they played the Giants last week. So, Dave, I don't like to do this normally, but I'm going to repeat my word from last week. And for those who didn't hear my word last week, when Dallas played Washington, I said NFL Films, because... I would rather watch NFL Films reruns of Cowboys, Redskins, Washington football team games than watch this game. It's an NBC game. I feel bad for NBC, but I'm going to go NFL Films again because Dallas has a third-string quarterback. Carson Wentz does stupid things with the football, does bad turnovers. Yes, he's getting likely Jalen Ragor back. Mal Sanders is still hurt, probably doesn't even play. Honestly, if you're a Cowboys or Eagles fan, or maybe if you're not, you're probably just watching... NFL Films, old Cowboys-Eagles games and reminiscing on what this game used to be. 
Yeah, I'm I'm going to go, and this is mainly focused at Dallas. I'm going to go with dumpster fire. I mean, this team that was that was supposed to be able to do so much in the East, and of course because it's the NFC East, as bad as everything's gone, every team is still there and right in it. But it, it just seems like. N- they're not getting any kind, they're not getting anything from their defense and they're not getting any kind of rallying from anything else going on with their offense once Prescott went down. You know, Andy Dalton is, is a solid quarterback, especially in a backup role. And then he's gone. This, I mean, Philadelphia is favored by like 10 points in this game. And I mean, the Steelers have already played the Eagles. It was one of those games where where, I mean, they ended up winning by nine, but Philadelphia just wouldn't go away, even though they were actually blown out. Car- it's almost like the more the game gets out of hand, the more Carson Wentz decides he's going to play. But when it comes through and when it's really close this season is when he kind of doesn't come through. He can come through when they're trailing by a lot to get you back close, but not quite enough. I mean, they did the same thing with Baltimore, coming up two points shy. So, but with, I think this is a chance for Philadelphia to come out. And if they, if they ever want to stomp someone, this is a chance for them to stomp on a team. I don't, I, I can't get excited about this team or this game sitting there all by itself on Sunday night. Um, it's just kind of a mess. So I guess it is what it is. Yeah, you don't know if Dallas is just simply checked out. By the way, they have the Steelers next week. That might be. Oh, just, I know. <laughs> I might not even do NFL films next week. It may just be Super Bowl rerun. I'm gonna just go back and watch old Super Bowls and hear Jim Nance do Steelers. Cow- I can't believe Jim Nance is gonna be doing Steelers Cowboys. That, that's gonna be stupid. But the, I can't be. I I feel bad for Andy Dalton because he's like the tenth worst problem in Dallas. Yeah. Their offensive line's terrible. Their defense stinks. And when Andy Dalton gets knocked in the head. Nobody comes up to help him. I, I, what is Andy Dalton supposed to do? Yeah, and I mean, of course, the the talking point in the in the AFC North was, you know, former Bengals quarterback gets hit with a cheap shot from a former Steelers linebacker. You know, that's that was the biggest thing out of that whole game because you know John Bostic spent a year with the Steelers. Um, that was that was kind of a dumpster fire with him being there. So it, it's just. You're right. This team has so many problems and I don't, I, I don't see them writing the ship anytime soon. For our last game, Monday night football on ESPN, Tom Brady and the five and two bucks at the one and six giants. Bucks, by the way, are favored by 12 as mm-hmm. I record this. Uh, David, what do you think here? Um, bottom line is this is going to be the song, the, the, the answer for the giants all season is. No Saquon. I mean, without Saquon Barkley, there's really nothing. I mean, Daniel Jones is doing what he can. He's showing that, that he, he's going to fight when, when he can. I mean, I don't even watch these games because I, like you say, it's better off watching NFL films. So like when the Steelers went to face the Giants in week one, it was all about just to let, you know, Saquon's the one player that could really do some damage for the Giants. And now he's done for them for the season. So there's, they're, they've got to be in, in, in pure rebuild, get experience, try to get some confidence in other areas going forward. But th- this team's going to struggle to get more victories throughout the season. Normally you would say with Tom Brady going to MetLife that you would get the, the ghosts of Giants defense past <laughs> where Justin Tuck shows up and Michael Strahan shows up and OC shows up and Tom Brady in MetLife against the Giants hasn't exactly played his best games of his career. 
He's played a lot of close games in that stadium. Uh, but to me, this is just simply, uh, I'm trying to come up with one with a pirate ship. Cause it's Halloween. <laughs> we, need, we need some pirates. Uh, uh. Full, let's go full speed ahead. Tampa's going, the offense going full speed ahead. Ron, Ronald Jones playing well. No Chris Godwin, but hey, Scotty Miller's going to show up. And whether I like it or not, Antonio Brown's come back next week. That offense is going to keep going and going and going. And, and the problem for the Giants, and you even mentioned it, the problem with them is they make that one mistake that takes them out of the game. They did it against Pittsburgh with the Daniel Jones pick in the end zone. They did it last week with some stupid fumbles at the end of the half and Daniel Jones throwing an interception or Evan Ingram dropping a pass. I could see the Giants hanging around for like a half just because they tend to compete well, even though they've had some COVID issues this week. But I just think Tom Brady right now is in that zone and no, I am Tom Brady. I'm glad he's actually playing well. Uh, and I think Tampa right now is just in that good sink. And, and this is a Tampa offense that still hasn't got Mike Evans going. And there's still another level they can go yeah. in that skip. I mean, honestly, I think Tom Brady could have a bad game and it won't matter. They're still going to win it. That makes sense. I, I, I do believe that. I think he could have, like, if even if he has an interception or two, I, I was reading in the Dynasty book, like, he gets mad when he costs his team a game, but he's not going to cost his team a game here. And if he has it, and, but you can also look at this for Tampa kind of a trap for them because next week they get New Orleans at home on Sunday night football. So you never know if this team after riding high and blowing out the Raiders, again, this is not Bill Belichick. This is Bruce Arians. So, you know, I'm not saying the Giants will win. I would not be surprised if the Giants cover the 12. That sounds about right. I I can see it just with that defense trying to do something. They they, they basically have to get Brady off his game and then they can cover. (laughs) You gotta get Brady again. Maybe they, who knows? Maybe Joe Judge goes for Halloween as Tom Coughlin. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Dave, before I let you go, uh, tell us who's out there about Behind the Steel Curtain, what you over there with the podcast and the, the website, and how they can follow you and the website on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we are, we are a part of SB Nation. We are the Pittsburgh Steelers page. Um, through them, it is behindthesteelcurtain.com. We have, Content coming out like crazy. It's generally, you know, 12 to 16 articles a day coming out. We have film room breakdowns. We have commentary. We have breaking news. If you're a Pittsburgh Steeler fan and you have not checked out behindthestudiocurtain.com yet, uh, what are you waiting for? We like to say we're your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Or as one of our, um, our, our podcast producers says that we are your non-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. But on the podcast side, we are there is if you're looking for Pittsburgh Steelers specific podcasts, you don't have to look far because we are coming out with multiple podcasts daily. We run a live YouTube show um six days a week. It's Saturday through Thursday that if you just go to our YouTube channel at B, uh, BT Steel Curtain that you can subscribe there and you can come in and join in the live chat in those shows. They get published as podcasts the following day. We also have audio only shows um, um, every morning. Um, I, I have one that's called Steeler Stat Geek. It comes out on Thursday morning. We have another one that's called Less Ride. That's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're even... Um, we're even a little bit global because uh, Tuesdays are, is our live mic show where our deputy editor, Michael Beck, he's from uh, Vancouver. And then on Saturday mornings, we have our uh, Touchdown Under show, which is 
of two blokes from Australia that are Steelers fans talking Steelers. We're, there's no less than three podcasts a day. Uh, we have pregame shows, postgame shows, all kinds of stuff. So if you just go to anywhere you find podcasts and type in Steelers, we're going to be one of the top few that you come across, or you could specifically look for um, Behind the Steel Curtain or BT Steel Curtain. Um, that's also our Twitter handle, uh, BT Steel Curtain, and you can just follow us there. We're not hard to find. We really aren't. All you have to do is, I mean, if you just go to Google and type in Pittsburgh Steelers, chances are you're, we're going to be one of the top things you come across. So let's just say if you go to Behind the Steel Curtain, you will get more treats than tricks in terms of Steelers. Hey, there's the good Halloween reference. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. Let's, let's roll with that. I wish I would have thought of it myself. <laughs> so be sure to check out David and the team over Behind the Steel Curtain doing some great uh, Steelers work and their coverage of this Sunday's game against Baltimore. David, again, thanks for hopping on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, enjoy this weekend's game, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for the time. All right. Thank you very much. Go Steelers.